Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at massivebeers at gmail.com. I hate the stuffy intros, man. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be stuffy. I just I choose to be stuffy, but it's not the it's not how you doing YouTube. No, no, none of that. Just <laughs> how you doing, Hackensack, right? Yeah. Um, and no, we do not use Hackensack River water. No, no. Oh, man. That's what I, we know. That's what makes pizza <clears throat> taste delicious. Uh, yeah. So we actually uh, somebody actually asked us that a couple weeks ago. Uh, every we, month. The joke was, yeah, yeah. We actually have a sump pump over in the river, and uh, you know, three hundred foot long hose. Straight in. <laughs> That's it. Well, that's that's what makes Great Lakes so good, right? They, they use that burning water right, right burning off water. the river. <laughs> they don't even filter it. Do you use the city water, or and then just to kind of screw with it from there? Yeah, yeah. we do. We yeah. we the clean it up. Rasa. We we take out everything the water company adds. Yeah, and then the water and then here fiddle from there. Even even then, the water is kind of shit for brewing here, so it's super hard because of the amount of road salt that gets thrown down. Believe it or not, it's like yeah. the worse the winter is, yeah, the more so really water so water in, in the spring in the spring our chloride levels are like 300 ppm yeah so you're Jeez. constantly having the tweak it's not yeah. something like you get like a a, a base water from the city no it's no. like constantly we do a, we do a water analysis every week and then tweak from there man well let's, we'll save that then that sucks you guys have to probably you know go find yourself you know a chemical engineer or something like that <laughs> if only we had a couple if of only scientists you had out a here. chemical engineer <laughs> yeah. that could help that you could out with that. such things should, does that mean I should make you do the water analysis? No, you should not. Oh, the biologist is the one doing it. I'm not allowed in the lab. Oh, you're allowed in the lab. You're not allowed behind the bar. I like to I love behind the bar. Well, I don't I'm even know why. I, I can assume I know why the story of that is. But I think that t- we can get in into with that. the un- ugly uh, cheeseburger eating. It's uh, the I'm, same thing. I'm evidently bad with customers. I don't know where anyone gets that opinion. <laughs> It's actually kind That's of, I think that is why. I don't it's know actually kind of ironic. Blake is really great with customers on the on the table side of the bar. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, can, pe- walk, can walk up to people and engage and have conversations all day long. Put him behind the bar, and he makes people angry. Is that a, you don't like be told what to do kind of thing? No, I just wish people would make up their minds. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's only eight options. You just pick one, right? It's all good. Yeah. And that's the thing. Can't, can't pick a bad one. I just, I, just keep going. I just, I just fake a little more patience. Yeah. Uh, fake patience, man. Good mm. God. People are the worst. They're such the best, though. They are. At the same time. Yes. So when you find the good ones, they're so good. But you're talking about a brewery being in North Jersey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hackensack, yeah. you know, close to the city. You get, I mean, it's a, it's a mixed bag up here. But yeah, just like we're one. just uh, like we're talking about like finding its own level, I'm sure it's much the same way where people come here because they feel like it's it, 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 it connects with it's them. It's settled into a very very nice tasting room environment. The the community that we have is really nice actually. It's a lot from the local area and it's a lot from surrounding towns, but it's very much a sort of come as you are, hang out, make friends. Yeah, you're my, you're my local for my friend over there, uh, Janine yeah. that came in. Mm-hmm. She's oh, like yeah. she's like oh yeah, 5 minutes away. Yeah. Well, let's speak to that. I mean, first off, let's introduce the guys. It's Mike Roosevelt or Roosevelt? Which Roosevelt. One? Okay, Roosevelt. fair enough. Um, and Blake Crawford Hello. from uh, e- Elementary. 
Why the, I mean, it's a name just a name because it's obvious why the name is a name? Uh, no, it was actually a, a trademark issue. I Way back, this goes way back in the day, I had a, a, a brewing blog that was called The Elementary was the name of the blog. And um, we already had the domain name and we already had a trademark for a different purpose and uh, everything was ready to roll. So we were like, you know, trademark's a big problem in the industry, so we decided to What was the it. one that you couldn't use? Uh, the name we couldn't use was Tarnation, was the original name of the brewery. We're both from the South, so we were like, let's yeah. play on a Southern term and call it Tarnation, but Tarnation is a beer from Baxter Brewing up in Maine. Okay. And so they... So it wasn't a brewery, it's a name of a Yeah, beer. it's a name of yeah, a beer. That they were about to start distributing towards Connecticut and New Jersey, yeah. so... And so they, they were actually really cool about it. You know, the guy was like, this ain't the first time you're going to hear this, but no. So <laughs> I said, okay, fine, we'll come up with a different name. So we already had the other name, so we just went with that since the trademark already existed. And, and well, like, in the end, is, do you find that being, like, you make the name. So, I yeah. mean, really, the name it works now because of what you do. It, yeah. it, it re, I mean, sure, you could have picked something really horrible. Right. Uh, but it ends up being what you guys produce and how you do things that makes a name as opposed to the name making a place. So, yeah, it really, we, it's just a matter we, of... We made it work. We played off of it, you know, the, the little art and science motto. Um, we've got the artist studio in the back and the science lab in front. We kind of just made it work. Yeah. Now, you said you're both from the south. Um, where in the south? I'm from northwest Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah, nice. South Florida. Okay. Which is ah, technically yeah. more north than south, I think. He's, he's, I'm south of Boca, so yeah. that's that's basically uh, New York. So we just yeah. retired. We yeah. say he's from the lowercase s south. He's I'm, New I'm York from the with, uh, with, with Oh, yeah, you're from what yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like nor northwest Arkansas, that's the south. That yeah. Like the that, south. the south. <laughs> that is, yes. Uh, how, did, how did you guys meet? That's a very long story. Yes. We have um, the time. I, was, I used to travel for work all the time. Okay. And, and I was uh, living in the city, uh, going to grad school at NYU. Yeah. I was a bit of a road warrior and just kind of landed into into New York and, you know, bumped into this guy. And next thing you know, we live in Jersey and own a brewery. That was the longest story ever. I think yeah. that's all we have the time for. It <laughs> <laughs> was good um, interviewing you guys. 15 years you know? later, we have a brewery. Yeah, was it just a random bumping into it had nothing to do? Because with you yeah. both having kind of like a science degree, it had nothing to do with yeah. it. Yeah, it was, no, it was, it was, it was basically random. a random bumping into Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And then you like you know you guys get together. Um, you've been together how long now? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yeah. Fifteen uh, years. Where did the beer come into play? Like not necessarily the brewery, but the beer for both of you. Where is it always kind of you're picking at it or? Yeah. So I had uh, during grad school, I had the good fortune of having my first job in a brewery in like 1996, 1997, oh, and that was with a buddy of mine from grad school. Yeah, we're who, old. <laughs> yeah, that was Cheers with a, being old. <laughs> that was with a buddy of mine from grad school who uh, had opened up a brewery in uh, Fayetteville, uh, which is where I was going to grad school, Razorbacks and all that. Um, so I started there, and with my background in chemical engineering, um, I fell backwards into equipment design and control systems and that sort of thing. Ended up moving to Boston um, to go to work for the company that was manufacturing the actually control units for brewery. Oh, really? Um, okay. Equipment and that sort of thing. Um, life takes you in weird directions. I ended up, um, after five years of traveling constantly, decided that I didn't want to travel anymore. So moved to New York because I was in New York two weeks a month. All the um, uh, work in New York dried up. So then I was traveling again, and finally I was like, "Nope, I gotta, I gotta leave." The the famous story actually is I was 
uh, in we were in where we were Jersey City. Yeah, we were in JC. I got up at four o'clock in the morning to take a uh, shuttle flight from Newark to Pittsburgh. And as I was getting on the plane, six o'clock in the morning, my wheelie bag kind of jostled the side of the the plane door as I was getting on. Flight attendant who was in the galley turns around, looks at me, and goes, "Morning, Blake." And then I got in my seat, and I decided that the day the flight attendant on the New on the Newark to Pittsburgh shuttle knows you by your first name, that's the day you need to quit. So <laughs> I quit that day, and uh, ended up at Viacom, believe it or not, and broadcast television for uh, what twelve years, something like that. Yeah, it was. It's life takes you in weird directions, um, and then you you play the commuter game enough that you kind of want you get to a point where you want to live and work and play in the same community. And we live in Bergenfield, just mm-hmm. up the street. So we're like, we know how to do this. You know, it's not like I don't know how to operate a brewery. I know how to operate a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michael has a great background for doing what we do in the lab. So let's see if we can turn those talents into um, into our own local brewery. Awesome. The, now, when you were into the beer thing, were you into beer when you guys met? Or was no. it more he was into it and then kind of no. sucked you into that I vortex? Like, I feel like it wasn't really... We were neither one of us were really beer drinkers at that time I mean we were but it was more like tangential it was like we were into liquid things right, right? wine coffee uh, beer cocktails right. flavors yeah. you know yeah. so you know we would go out and you know have a great dinner and enjoy a glass of wine or a cocktail and or a beer and or and or and or um, it wasn't until probably after 2010 that we started more seriously yeah more sort of seriously of, focusing on beer focusing on beer and then we were at a, on a ski trip to Stowe with a couple friends of ours and of course you can't go to Stowe without visiting 700 breweries right <laughs> um, and so on the way back it was just this conversation started which was you know why don't we have in North there a local yeah why don't we have that? This was before Bricks opened. Um, well before Magnify, well before yeah. Magnify. So there was nothing in northern Jersey, just nothing. It was a craft beer wasteland. So a nice vacation, and then you guys see the need. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, New York was doing it for a little while there. There was mm-hmm. a couple at that time. Yep. Nothing to the level that it's no. at now. No. But, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, you guys f- fill the void within North Jersey. Yeah. You, you had a couple Southern Jersey breweries around that time that were up and running and mm-hmm. doing a little bit of... Uh, you know what's going on but like i think that's great though like the whole we're into food we're into wine we're into good cocktails mm-hmm. you yep. mean because it, it all plays together you it know does. It, it, it really it, does it absolutely does um and especially since um at the time when you looked at sort of the raw data about new jersey and craft beer new jersey was like 49th in the nation in terms of craft beer production and craft beer produ- uh, consumption per capita at, but the, at there, that point. But there's more people in Jersey per square mile. It's the most population-dense <laughs> place in the world. And we were like, we couldn't find a better market than four yeah. miles outside of Manhattan, you know? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Arkansas. We don't get to make fun of very many states for very many reasons, but we're better at craft beer than New Jersey was at, <laughs> well, at the you, time. You're ta- you, well, you're talking 1997, 96. Yeah. You're in a brewery in Arkansas. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, when people, when you think of the timeline of just craft beer in the United States. Yeah, in 1996, like, there, was, like, there, was, yeah. there weren't that many. There's a and, handful and, and in the Jersey, United States. No, yeah. was it Flying Fish, uh, River Horse, yeah. and then Budweiser? You yeah, know what and I mean? actually in, in the and 90s, ones, River yeah. Horse was probably still in Philly in yeah. the 90s. Yeah, true. And that was the beginning of the sort of the brew pub 
revolution for a lot of the country. It wasn't like large production breweries popping up all over the place, but a ton of brew pubs popping up that time. Yeah, which is um, kind of you know a sticking point now with Jersey. It's kind of a, you can still do the brew pub thing, but you pretty much have to be a, a millionaire and not have to worry about money because you have to need to float the brewery license on top of a liquor license yep. and a whole nine. Anyway, that's another another thing <laughs> yeah. for another day if you want to talk about it for nine hours. Sore points all around, but uh, yeah. So you decide to open a brewery. Who who like was it you always were interested in the brewing portion of the show yeah like and and you kind of defaulted to the kind of lab thing because that's kind of yeah i mean it was um the idea was we need our own thing Mm -hmm. like we need to get away from working this hard 20 miles away for other people and driving two hours a day to bust our hump for somebody else um so what can we do and so we batted around a few ideas we kept coming back to the brewery idea Blake had already been homebrewing again for a while, and we figured that it just kind of made sense. And if we're going to be opening a brewery, then of course we're going to put in a lab because there are no, you know, most of the breweries yeah. in New Jersey at that time didn't weren't really thinking about quality control and lab work. And a lot still don't, and that's a unique a position you for guys me. Have. I would, I would, why would we manufacture a, a beverage without thinking about quality control and, and lab work? So you can count on one hand, like just like kind of upstart breweries that yeah. even consider that yeah. as like we need to worry about what this side of it. Well, you're worrying about keeping the lights on at that point. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're gonna employ. You know what I mean? A lab right. tech on that side, and, and not to mention all the equipment and all that stuff. You guys have that unique position to go into it with that from the get-go, and I think it actually shows up a lot in your beers because, like, not that you don't make stuff that is barrel-aged this or a little bit, you know, added, you know, pastry stout that or a little bit like, kind of uh, aggressively hop forward. A lot of your stuff is, like, uh, old-school technical-style mm-hmm. stuff, whether you're talking about Kolsch's and Pilsner's and Brown Ales and, you know what I mean, stuff like that. It... it, it, it the way the beer culture is nowadays to make those where where do you feel like you fit in because I, I, I think you have a big area to fit in because I think you're a lot closer to what a lot of people like to drink in general but it's not necessarily a geometric 16 ounce can that everybody yeah. lines up for and puts a chair down and wears a flannel shirt to go to so yeah. I actually take a lot of inspiration from our tap room um, because we have such a diverse community in the tap mm-hmm. room, and I want to be able to continue giving them a variety of, of things to drink. We don't have a uh, our crowd doesn't want only hazy, juicy IPAs. Mm-hmm. There's a definite subset of our of our population that does want that. But I have a lot of people coming in here who only drink Mr. Stevens or only drink Hackensack Lager, and they drink a lot of it, and that's the beer that they want. Mm-hmm. So why would I? Why would we pigeonhole ourselves into a certain set of styles that are very popular and and definitely would sell well when there's this entire world of flavor and of consumers to to consume those flavors? Yeah, I had not to to jump in on that. You know, I had a, a, this excellent conversation with a, a beer buyer at, at a at a one of our premier accounts. Um, and it's a, an account that tends to buy a lot of Pilsner, a lot of Hackensack Lager, mm-hmm. you know, th- those kind of beers. Um, and in kind of casual conversation, I was like, man, you guys burned through the Hackensack Lager. And the guy said, yeah, it's it's not the first beer somebody buys when they come into my bar. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a compliment. And he <laughs> said, no, it's the second, third, and fourth beer somebody yeah. buys when they come into the bar. And it's, you know, like Michael said, there's a whole world of consumers out there because, like, 
you look at my background in beer in 1996, there's a whole backstory where I quit uh, grad school to be the greatest sommelier in the world and I moved to Napa and that's a whole other thing. That obviously didn't work out, so I came back. And part of what attracted me to the beer culture was that it was an affordable luxury. It was a very come-as-you-are kind mm -hmm. of thing. It wasn't stilted and elitist and weird like the wine culture was at the time. Um, and so I think that you know having a great diversity of styles helps feed that ethos of craft beer, which is there ought to be something for you no matter who you are or what you like. And and with you guys doing a lot of those styles, like it almost is, and you know, you're kind of, you kind of blip and run the edges of a lot of the, you know, some of the kind of air quoting, because that goes over well in a podcast, <laughs> kind of uh, hip stuff, you know what I mean? Whether you do mm -hmm. like a more aggressively hopped beer or something like that, but with your base beers and your kind of core beers, whether it be the lager, the coals, the pilsner and stuff like that, you're almost set up one, because you can, if, if the, if the, if the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Man, love the train of thought here. If the narrative <laughs> shifts, you guys don't have you could pivot because you do mm -hmm. every single style. Yeah. But at the same time, we're probably about twelve months away from all the stuff that you guys make being the hip and crazy style. So mm -hmm. what what's gonna be like when when that turns that way and then you have how big is your uh, uh, brew house? Yep. Was it seven barrel? It's a seven this barrel seven. brew house. We're like, doing... how do you handle that? When because you can see it coming. Ah, yeah. Like everybody's pushing so, the pilsner and the culture and all that stuff, and that's so what you guys. We're going to give you well. guys some breaking news. First ever <laughs> podcast. Oh, there you go. So, um, in our brew house, because of my background in chemical engineering and background in process equipment and process control, mm -hmm. we push a lot more beer through our plant than most people on a similar scale. Okay. So, on a seven barrel system, we're going to do a little bit short of two thousand barrels this year. So that's pushing a lot of beer through the plant. Our loggers, we do grain to glass in 21 days, for example. There's a lot of science behind how that gets done. Um, yeah, throw a logger out that yeah, quickly. Because the one you're drinking right there, also nobody can see it on the podcast. But like a beer that clear is made in a brewery without bright tanks and no filtration, no centrifuge. So that's not a that's not an easy thing to pull off. Um, not but, easy, but they didn't have centrifuges back when they were making no, awesome they, they did, yeah. but they also but the, had they had time. They had time on our side. Had, I was about right? to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we at the end of this year we'll be at maximum capacity for this particular brew house. So uh, tail end of last week, uh, we just about finalized the lease for that building straight across the street, um, which is eleven thousand square feet. So we'll be putting in a uh, a second full brew house. Um, second full packaging line, everything over there. We're going to keep this facility as it is, okay? Because uh, it's it's home, uh, and just move larger fermentations and um, it's kind of like faster production over there. Uh, what size? Fifteen what barrel. Fifteen uh, barrel. Fully automated. Yeah, we have, you know, looking at equipment in this industry and looking at, at brewing process for as long as we have, as long as I have. Uh, we've made the choice to scale horizontally, if you will, rather than vertically. This is kind of the alchemist model. We go to the new alchemist facility. Mm -hmm. um, you know, John did not opt to do, you know, 100 and 300 barrel fermenters. Instead, he opted to do a sea of 60 barrel fermenters, yeah. right? Um, because fermentations are easier to control at that scale. Yeast management is a little easier at a smaller scale. Um, so we're going with a 15-barrel four-vessel, high-velocity system, and then it'll just be like row after row after row of 30- and 60-barrel fermenters. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing I noticed, like I said, I mean, mm -hmm. just coming in here and seeing the lineup of beers, you know, Matt touched on it, you guys all touched on it, on styles that are just kind of out of the ordinary mm -hmm. in, in what's going on right now. To me, it looks like, I mean, it's it's the workhorses you know the the your esbs your your milds kolsch's pilsners loggers you know how much of the say like the workman mentality of jersey 
mm-hmm. you know, this area, northern Jersey, where, like, did that play into it? Like, like these are beers that have been around forever that, like, the everyday guy drinks. The the Yeah, the lager especially. I mean, I think that when we were developing Hackensack Lager, we didn't set out to become a lager brewery. But it was one of those things where... Blake and I have traveled a, a bit around, and everywhere we went, those places had a beer of their own, you know, a, a local. And it was generally a lager, generally light and fizzy and yellow. And we didn't see that Northern Jersey had an identifiable sort of beer of New Jersey. And so we kind of felt like this is a good opportunity to create the local beer. Uh, and what better thing to do than another than a Hellas lager? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we had done um, the Pilsner that you're drinking right now. We had actually made that for John, our head brewer's wedding, as that was his sort of wedding gift. Was we'll make we'll, we'll make a beer and you can serve that at your wedding. Of course, he wanted a Pilsner. <laughs> These are the kind of people we hire, right? You, you tell a guy, yeah. you tell a professional brewer, anything you want for your wedding, right. you can have it. He looks at you and goes, Pilsner. "I'll have a German Pilsner, please." I'm like. But that's, that I love seems, you and hate you simultaneously. Yeah. No, but that seems to be the barometer <laughs> for brewers. Like, yeah. like a brewer knows enough, the the worth of another brewer, but how well he makes a pilsner for the fact that you can't hide anything. Right. If it's a mistake, mm-hmm. it's a mistake. It's gonna know. Yeah. Well, that and it's you know it's a classic you know sell the sizzle, stay for the steak kind of thing to where you know a lot of places like you were saying that people go in for a beer that's like a two by four to the face at that account you're talking about, but then they end up sitting down and drinking four or five of the lagers because yeah. I think in the end a lot of people you know the the, the tap house yeah or the tap room you have here and the way drinking is going now it's getting a lot. Uh, it's going back to the way it used to be, which is more kind of let's sit around and actually have a conversation and drink a bunch of beers and talk to each other. And that's kind of that's why the tap room is taking off because it's mm-hmm. replacing oh, the bar mm-hmm. where you're going to go sit on the corner of a bar after day at a, yeah. after a shift of work and kind of drink a bunch of beers and let the beer, while delicious and and worthy of conversation itself, kind of kind of help the conversation along rather than being the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. This is why, um, uh, in some ways, the New Jersey state regulation. <laughs> actually helps us because the uh, the limitation on us not being allowed to have televisions and not being allowed to have live music and not being allowed to do all these things actually means you come to the tap room and there ain't nothing to do but talk to the person that's right. sitting next yeah. to you or Good. stare well, at the know. wall you know and so God forbid you gotta yeah. talk to somebody <laughs> and, that, and that's the tap room that we've developed and so you know i sort of feel like even if those uh restrictions are relaxed a little bit i've got no interest in having the game on the tv because People come here to interact with the with their community. And it, as per the Jersey kind of mentality as far as how beer is supposed to go, you guys have really aggressively kind of taken on like a distribution with like classic mm-hmm. six-pack, 12-ounce cans as opposed to the kind mm-hmm. of sticker can, 16-ounce thing. Is that, again, trying to – it's almost like you're, you're being separated from the bunch now where as opposed to – it was everybody wanted to do the 16-ounce sticker can to be like, look, we're hip, we're cool. But now it's almost like you get lost in the crowd. Was it an active decision to do the – 12 ounce six I think packs. I just like to be contrary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it, it, we, we had this discussion when we first introduced Hackensack Lager, right? And he said, you know, if you buy into the fact that the beer dictates its own packaging based on what it is, right? Yeah. Certain beers make more sense in certain packages. We looked at that particular beer. We said, you know what? It, a, a, a fizzy yellow beer like that only makes sense in the all-American six pack, and it has to sit on the shelf for nine ninety nine. Because 
that's a beer we honestly don't want people to intellectualize, right? I want you to shotgun one in your backyard mm-hmm. with your friends. I don't want you to get uppity <laughs> about it. Like, that's not its purpose. Its purpose mm-hmm. is just to drink it. And so I think that when you put it in that format on the shelf, people get it, right? They yeah. look at that and they go, 10 bucks, I own it. I'm going to sit next to my grill and crush them all later and not have a headache or you know, not be tired of drinking them because they're too heavy-bodied or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of, um, again, you can't see it. I'm on the ESB, Yeah. and it's my second out of three that I've been here. Uh, if I didn't have to drive, I'd probably drink so many of these things that I wouldn't want to look at the bill later. <laughs> but like, like I said, I mean, I like the 12-ounce the can, the six, you know, like, I mean, because you said, because the style dictates that. Yeah. Like, that's, if you're looking for what you're making, like those lagers, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the perfect vessel, the six-pack 12-ounce. Mm-hmm. And for a while, we were doing both, and there were some sadly boring logistical reasons for not doing both. You know, space is tight. It's hard mm-hmm. to hold on to a pallet of 12-ounce cans and a pallet of 16-ounce cans at the same time. It takes a long time to switch the canning line from 12 to 16s. Um, it just, after a while, it made sense to just pick one and go with it. Yeah. And then, uh, to kind of rewind the conversation back to when I talked about, you went into the... Um, kind of a lab side of things, you're in the brewer side of things. Mm-hmm. Did you bring on your head brewer? Did you bring him on from the get? Were you doing the brewing all by yourself from the yeah, beginning? He or? was he was employee number one. We we opened with him as employee number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did how did you meet him? Like was he just somebody that you knew through? And it's John John Henry. John Henry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it just somebody you knew from homebrew club stuff like that? Yeah, totally. Uh, John and I had been. Um, when I had started homebrewing again, John and I were competing against each, each ah, excuse me, competing against each other um, for many, many, many years. And I, the Pilsner recipe is his because he was kicking my ass all over the East Coast with that Pilsner, <laughs> um, which is part of the reason why he wanted it for his wedding beer because he knew it's like the only beer he knows he can make better than I can. Um, but uh, yeah, so he he was a school teacher actually, and so he no. was he was part time. Uh, with us until the end of we opened in April he was part-time until the end of that school year he decided to make a career switch and he's been here with us full-time ever since super nice guy sort of he fits in with me and Michael which means he's incredibly detail oriented Mm -hmm. and he loves the act of brewing so much it's actually kind of weird it's like (laughs) if you say to him I need for you to brew Hackensack Lager precisely the same way 300 times in a row this year. Like, he gets motivated by like that. Like, that's his favorite challenge. Like, a lot of brewers would get yeah. bored by that, and yeah. he's like, nope, I'll take it on. I'll stand yeah. on the brew deck. I'll do all the all of everything. But that's like, um, and he, you said he was a teacher, correct? Yeah. And what did he teach? Uh, health and phys ed. Health and phys ed, Health, yeah. health and phys ed. But isn't that kind of like the, the... When I first came in here, I first came in the tap room probably about a year ago mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about uh, I knew about the beer yeah. because I've had it before but I didn't know anything about you guys I walked in sat down and I go engineers own this place <laughs> yeah. I said that the second I sat down I'm like engine. I'm looked at my wife I'm like engineers own this place that's who owned like and it comes across in the tap room it comes across in the beer it comes across the way you guys do things mm-hmm. that's not a negative but yeah. it's like, what's it like to be in a 
technically specific, I want things to be perfect world where the beer is so organic and can move and, and change. Like you said, you want it to be exact. There is a science and an art to making things the same way over again, but it's such a fluid, changing organism. It's got to be weird to live in that world. That's, that is what makes it fun. That's what makes it exciting. Um, I guess, you know, we take great pride in, on one hand, the consistency of some beers. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Hackensack Lager, it's going to be the same 100% of the time. It's going to be in the can. It's going to be the same as you got it on draft. It's incredibly shelf-stable. It's just a very reliable beer. And I think that's important to have. To, I think it's important on one hand to not constantly pull the rug out from underneath you mm-hmm. know, people who are fans of certain beers by, by making too many changes. But on the, on, the other, on the other hand, you have the ability to create new and interesting things constantly. Like this ESB, we never made that beer before. Like that's a brand new beer as it sits. It's a brand new recipe. Um, that actually came from uh, our other brewer, Chris Pizonic, who works for John. Um, we're in the process of brewing a couple of our fall seasonal beers. You, might, you guys might know Lonnie Kay and Figgy Pudding. Mm-hmm. Both of those beers use the same yeast as a CSB, and so we needed to tune up that yeast pitch a little bit because those are super high-gravity beers, very difficult fermentations. Um, it's not a yeast that we use a lot, so it needs to be, uh, we call it tuning up the pitch, where the, the you got to get through a couple of generations on yeah. the pitch to you really get it, it rocking, right? Yeah. Um, and so we were like, okay, what do I do with the Fuller's ESB strain? Like, it's not a very popular <laughs> strain for IPAs. It's not a very popular strain for anything, and it's in the middle of summer, so let's do uh, an ESB. We did take some liberties with the recipe from a classic ESB just because a lot of that went into casks that we were treating in different ways, and so okay. we needed for it to be a little more versatile. Um, but that's generally how things come up. When it comes to you know the changing environment, we will admit we're kind of control freaks about things, right? So if you look at our hoppier offerings, we're not the brewery that's going to put seven different hops in a beer. That's our preference because we're also uh, foodies. You know, it's like it's almost like when you get too many different hops in a beer, you lose the ability and you lose some of the beauty of each individual hop variety that's in there. So we like to stick with like two and three hop blends. So none of our cans are going to say like, here's a paragraph of all the hops that are in this beer. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be like, this is Amarillo and Centennial, or this is Galaxy and Mosaic, or it's always going to be like two, maybe three hops in the blend. That also helps us keep the beers a little bit more uh, shelf stable. I have a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I had a couple points there. Like, I'm a foodie myself, and I always equate, like, hopping to if you added gravy to, like, a roast that you messed up. Yeah. Like, it's easy to, to hide things behind a hop. Yeah. Or multiple hops and things like that. Um, and then the other one I was going to say is... Um, how many generations is a typical run for you on your yeast, or is it just depends on the yeast strain? It it definitely depends on the strain. Um, our lager strain, we go about 16, 17 generations. Yeah, 16 um, to 18. Most of our ale yeasts, we uh, go around 10 generations. Okay. Now, uh, back to the whole Jersey thing. With you guys being such foodies, there almost would be, with the kind of beers you make, a kind of natural want to hair food and kind of mess with stuff and do that what's it like to having the positives of the jersey restrictions be one end of the spectrum but two if you put like a kernel of a nugget of something on your bar 
you know, your, right. your countertop, you can go, <laughs> you get shut down. You know what I mean? Yeah. How is it to live in that world? I mean, you went to be sommelier. You yeah. guys obviously love food. It's got to be a weird world to it, live in. It is. I'm, I'm generally okay with it because I don't want the added hassle of running a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Um, you know, we, we like to say that we're just BYOF. <laughs> so while our beers are meant to be food friendly and to be consumed with food and a lot of people will bring stuff in, you know, by no means does that mean that they can't be enjoyed on their own. Um, and what's great is that we'll, in, we'll have conversations with people in the tap room about what they're drinking and what they, you know, all right, well, what are your plans later tonight? Oh, you're going to go have a barbecue. You really should consider taking home a bottle of the Saison de Fete because it's going to pair really well with grilled meats. It, it does make beer dinners more interesting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like when we get with, together with restaurants and the chef is like, okay, let's put together the beer dinner. Most chefs, they kind of roll their eyes because they're like, oh, these guys are going to show up with six IPAs and what the hell do I pair with six different IPAs? Um, having that variety uh, is much more fun for things like curated beer dinners because you can have this whole library of things to, right. to choose from. Now, you were saying um, you're talking about your season. Um, and you do do some kind of, um, wouldn't go as far as to say mixed culture, but a little bit more kind of funky, uh, yeasty stuff. Are you also like as being the, the lab guy, the yeast wrangler too? Or uh, Yeah, but we haven't really gotten into too many mixed cultures yet um, for a couple reasons. One is consistency. When, you, when you're working with a mixed culture that you know, it's one thing to be able to keep it in the same proportions uh but if it's a mixed culture that you don't know all of the individual growth rates and and i won't get into the boring parts um it very quickly turns into something else because every yeast eats a little bit differently grows a little bit differently so you could pitch you know 60 percent one thing 40 percent another thing and by the time you're done with fermentation it's it's 70 30 and now you go to pitch it again and you're not going to get the same beer is that something that you will mess with more once you get that new facility open up and you get a little bit more experimental over on this Yeah, side once we've got a little bit more time to, to, once we have the room to make the beers that we need to make and we have then the room to make the beers that we want to experiment with a little bit more, yeah, we'll definitely be able to get into some of that. Now, with, like, going back to the food thing, um, do you guys go the uh, food truck route? Mm-hmm. You know, is Hackensack good with that? They're like, they don't... Generally speaking, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty good with it. And yeah. I, it seems like you'll have a little bit more space like, to park one mm-hmm. when, when the facility next door opens. Yeah, we're actually really good with most of our neighbors. So uh, the gentleman right next to us is Hackenside Glass. We actually use the parking space where that Volkswagen is right there. That's where we park food trucks. Yeah. Um, and then we already use all of the parking across the street with who will be our new landlord. So people are always, you know, when you pull up outside, you're like, wow, they only have three parking spaces. Like, welcome to North Jersey, right? Everybody yeah. has three parking spaces. Um, <laughs> I live in long... South Brooklyn. There's none. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> find one. Yeah, you, you <laughs> find a place to park. Uh, try not to get towed. That's that's it. You got to cross the street every other day. Indeed. The um, <laughs> uh, Not to make this super Jersey-centric, but I also wanted to touch on, because one thing I noticed here is the uh, the boss you guys have a boss here it's your dog seems yes. like it runs the show she does she's um, in charge <laughs> bouncer general manager yeah uh was it marjorie margie yeah. margie um because that's when i travel with my dog pretty much everywhere i go and it's kind of a big sticking point in jersey right now they're kind of like cracking down on, on dogs being in breweries um it's kind of weird because it's you're not allowed to serve food but you're not allowed to bring it all to a brewery because that's where you eat Food, but like I, I get it. Where I obviously you guys think it's a bunch of fooey. Uh, how do you guys have to deal with that in any form or fashion? So we've just... we've had great 
we have a great relationship with our local health department and um, you know one of the things that I think benefited us early on is that we put a solid wall between the brew house and the tasting room okay and so while there is a state health code that says that animals are not allowed in retail food and beverage establishments the local interpretation of that is often varies by municipality mm-hmm. and our local health department has basically interpreted that to mean no animals in the production area. So they're perfectly happy to allow, allow dogs in the tap room because that's not where the beverage is produced. See, that's that's crazy because like 90% of the places I've been in yeah. have a brewery cat. You know, like, like if it's not a dog, there's a yeah, cat. Right. And it's, no matter where you go, it's like, there's the cat. <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, you know, I... I I have a theory in life. If, yeah. if 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 you don't like garlic, dogs, beer, and uh, maybe Sinatra, then you're probably a really bad person. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 99% of the time, good people own breweries. So 99% of the time, there's dogs involved. But I just thought it was a, just a kind of poopy thing. Because where I live, I live out more in western Jersey. I live out by like Hackettstown mm-hmm. kind of area. And, oh, yeah. and there's a brewery out that way that they kind of nixed the whole dog thing mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you know and i take my dog everywhere it's, it's tough like, it's definitely yeah, tough yeah. i mean i think that there, i know there's some there's some local there's some action in the assembly to try to get some some changes so we'll see what happens but that's not gonna that's not really gonna change unless there's a change to the state health code well i said we were gonna bring them with us today and then uh we kind of got sidetracked by going to a bottle release real quick before we came here <laughs> and we didn't know how long we were going to be in a line or anything like that so uh we uh, left him at home. So now, and now we're sad. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, his dog's weird, too. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's a New York dog. Yeah, it's anyway. a, like a Brooklyn dog. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, Margie's very judgy with dogs. <laughs> yeah. So. Super judgy. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where she is. Is she right? <laughs> Most Generally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She um, won't bark or bite. She, she just know, really judges she the hell out of you. She, she, can, she can throw some side eye like nobody's business. No. <laughs> Funny thing, she's actually, a um, because of her breed, she's, she's a rat terrier, so she's a working dog. She likes yeah. to do, she likes to have a job to do. Yeah. Um, so we actually got her trained as a um, contraband dog, where she identifies cash, like the smell of like cash. Yeah, okay. So her command is grab that cash. So we hide like balls of cash around the tap room, and you tell her, Margie, grab that cash. And she goes like full drug dog mode and is like, Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? Um, I gotta see it. this. It's cool. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty cool. If you get a moment, if you get a moment, we're gonna sidetrack real quick. Like, uh, there's a Ricky Gervais stand up where he talks about when they handed out the jobs of dogs. You gotta watch it. Mm. It's like he's talking about like like rat terriers. Like, do you like going in holes and killing things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's like okay, well that's your job. <laughs> Until it gets to the, like the Ridgeback and it has to deal with a lion. And it was like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a two minute skit. You gotta watch it. It's a oh, good that's time. awesome. The um, what do you guys like? What turns you guys on when it comes to like the beer scene outside of here? I'm sure you drink pretty much mostly all your beer, but at the same time you're still gin. you know we uh, drink gin. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> Both of you? Uh, yeah, gin, uh, gin, a lot of gin. Um, I like life my wife is a, with also. My wife is a gin person. Yeah, yeah I, she actually, is. I, it's the. I'll tell you this: I never liked gin because I never I never had a gin and tonic before in my life, mm. and all I had was gin without being in a gin and tonic. And I'm like, this is disgusting. And then I didn't realize yeah, there's right a rea- chemical. There's actually like a chemical reaction with gin and and like what a quinine or something yeah. like that, and it's delicious. It's the best summer drink ever. So that leads me to say, where's the gin barrel aged beers? <laughs> So we do drink a lot of beer from a lot of different places. (laughs) Um, uh, Before we get too far afield on spirits, um, 
But generally what we're looking for when we go out is the same thing that all brewers are looking for. It's like, yeah. show me anything that's not really an IPA. It's like, just show me, me something different. Show, show me, me a new different. flavor that I haven't had before. You know, let's, show, let's talk about saisons. Let's talk about lagers. Like, over at Bricks, you know, Bricks is very popular and famous right now for their IPAs. In my opinion, the best beer on the board is a Mexican lager that their head brewer, Travis, makes. It's like freaking delicious. Like, you can just, you can drink it all day and long. And their sour game. Um, their sour game is super strong. Super strong. Um, the fact that you can still go there and buy the QVO2. Can we just get the rest of it? Because I'm hoarding QVO2s <laughs> in the cold box. Very, very good. And the latest Lactobacillus. Um, you know, I, it's criminal that you can go there and buy those beers today. Um, yeah. That they haven't sold out yet because they're just they're fantastic. Yeah. But when it comes to spirits, gin is great. And there's a lot of good stuff happening with gin right now in the craft distilling mm-hmm. game. Yeah. You know? um, like, um, you guys know Jersey Spirits right next to Magnify? I, I've heard of him, but I, yeah, yeah, he started doing a whole line of gins with hops rather than uh, fruity, rather yeah. than the, the juniper. Rather, and, uh, yeah. he uses juniper, but rather than like orange peel and lemon peel and okay. and all that, he uses uh, hops in those uh, as substitutions. It's fantastic. Um, Asbury Park Distilling has a really awesome mm-hmm. uh, barrel aged gin. The reason why we don't have uh, gin barrels is gin barrels are pretty hard to come by because yeah. barrel-aged gin is not it's, really a yeah, thing. Yeah, not really a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, it's like it's a it's a very weird flavor to work with mm-hmm. in beer. Yeah. I've, I've seen one. Yeah. One. I think it was Revolution Brewing out in uh, Chicago. They, it's a, a Queequeg's Coffin. Oh, yeah. And I want to say it's uh, gin-barreled wit. Oh, cool. okay. And I said, that's it. That's the, that's the only time I yeah. think I've ever seen gin barrel on the menu. Hermit Thrush does one with the Saison. Um, of course they will. That's where like people go sort of in that direction mm-hmm. with it. I'm not convinced it works from a flavor standpoint. Like, I get it. It's like you're dealing with a lot of phenolic flavors in gin, so throw a super phenolic beer in there with it and hope that works. I don't, I don't know that it always works. But it seems like that would go way too far onto one end of the spectrum of what you're looking for. Like 100%. The, like the phenol. 100%, like you're yeah. just going way too far that way. And add wood tannin into that oh, yeah. mix. Throw that it's in. like everything's a little bit wonky and disjoint. So. Let's talk about the Barrel Age program. You do a couple things in barrels here and there. Yeah. And we're getting into that time where um, yep. stuff's going to start eking out of the barrel program, getting into that kind of uh-huh. fallish kind of time. What, what, what do you guys have coming out? Uh, anything new or just kind of uh, yeah. maturing, having some of the older stuff kind of mature? No, so we're, we're repeating our year early favorites this year. So um, Figgy Pudding, which is a, an English old ale aged on figs, prunes, apricots, and dates that gets rum barrel aged. Um, that's in the fermenter now. That'll be going into barrels Tuesday. Um, My favorite rum, Florida Cana. Florida Cana barrels we've got this year. How long do you usually let stuff sit in barrels for? Do you have a typical time? or Rum barrels are short. Yeah, yeah uh, that'll only be in barrels till uh, early November. Yeah. Rum barrels extract. Super fresh rum barrels extract lightning fast. Um, so that'll be quick. And then we're doing Lani Ikea, which is our um, Russian Imperial Stout bourbon barrel aged. Slightly tweaked on the formulation this year. Uh, that's going to Maker's Mark barrels. The thing with that beer is we every year we change the spirit that the barrels are in. So one year it was Elijah Craig barrels. Last year it was Willett's Pot Still barrels. This year it's going to be Maker's Mark barrels. So that's always fun. Um, but we do have a new beer just about to come out of barrels, mm-hmm. and that is a tequila barrel-aged Goza. It's basically our, our Let's Begin, which is our Key Lime Goza, an imperial version of that. So it's 9.5%. 
uh, aged in tequila barrels. So all three of those sound horrible. So when they release, when can I can get them? <laughs> so we're aiming for September. For yeah, we're aiming for September. The tequila barrel. You're talking about uh, doing the imperialized version of the Goza. Um, do all your like your base beers? Do you treat them for the barrels, or some of them you just kind of rack them? Or no, we we thicken them up uh, quite yeah. a bit. The only one that we don't um, touch is the porter. We've got a few barrels of a porter sitting in there. Yep, that's regular um, porter. That's just our straight up um, Chief Ortam is the name of the beer. It's a straight up Chief Ortam porter. Uh, that's the only one. Everything else gets usually thickened up a little bit with either some lactose or slightly higher mash temperature or something like that. It just survives the barrel now, aging better. I was going to say, now on the, the nerd side of it, where I come from, uh, do you guys kind of you know the ballpark where you think you're going to end up like ABV-wise when something sits? You know, or something like that. Like, you, you know, like, so it, it went in at 8. You know what's going to come out at 8.9? We make some guesses, and then we measure the hell out of it. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to predict because it depends on angel share and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of water evap. So, um, you know, the tequila barrels have been causing me a lot of problems because I, when we got those barrels in, we popped the bungs on them, and I was like, wow, this is going to be like two months. We're going to be done. That it's was a year, year, year and a month ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How often are you testing? Or like, you know, Usually about every tr- two months. Okay. Yeah. Um, that one we tested every couple of months until six months. And then got a little bit more frequent. And then we're like, eh, no, let it sit for let a while. Let it sit for another six months, and now, and we'll we've, try been, it again. now we've been tasting it more regularly. Yeah, that was weird because there were, there were four barrels. Two of them were former red wine barrels. Two of them were former cognac barrels that had then become tequila barrels. So the flavor extraction we're getting out of them is not in any way what we expected to get out of them based on the aromatics of the barrel. So that, that beer has been on a very strange trajectory. We're going to have to figure out what to do with that. I think that touches back on Matt's point where, like, you got two very scientific people in something that's so fluid. You know, and barrels is another... You're just adding an- another fluid we, we into the mix there. We spend a lot of time there. in the lab testing, and we spend a lot of time in the lab with pipettes and beakers and measuring and blending and, and yeah. flavoring. Yeah, you know, it's um, we. Easiest way to say it is, I think, you know, we, we are not a throw caution to the wind brewery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, we're no. not the brewery that is like, just throw some crap in barrels and see let's what see what happens, right? We're typically planning it a little more. Like, that's why my just barrel guys... Just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> my barrel guys hate me, right? Because they're used to just being like, hey, I got bourbon barrels. I'm like, I don't care. What's the bourbon? Right. Yeah. And they're like... Now let's figure out what beer to put in exactly. that bourbon barrel. And then, you know, because we're spirits guys. So tell me what bourbon it is. If I don't already have it, I'll go get it. I'll taste it. And I'll figure out what we need to do to the recipe to make that work. Um, that's what we learned last year with Willett's Pot Still barrels and um, Lani Ikea. You know, it was, it was a fantastic beer, but the combination of those two recipes gave it this kind of like cherry cola note that wasn't present in years before. And if you go back and drink the Willett's Pot Still bourbon and you drink the Lani Ikea base recipe, it all becomes kind of clear. It's like you look at it and you go, how the hell did I miss that, right? Like, how did I not know that this was going to be an artifact of this of this beer? Yeah, I mean, definitely, especially with a barrel, like, you need to know age, yeah. what, like, mm-hmm. how many years they were letting it sit. I mean, your 8-year-old is going to be different than your 12, uh-huh. than your 16, your 20, you know? And I said, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. to think about that. And I mean, like, so to see somebody that's going at it, you know, like you said, not just throwing a bunch of caution into the wind, that's going at it more scientifically of, of this is how we need to do it and we, what beer is going to pair with this barrel. I mean, that's 
you know, that you can't put a stout in everything. Right. Yeah. You know, that like you said, a porter maybe right. is, is key for this barrel right. and this. And I think that's awesome. Like, um, we find that porter is actually a really great option for second use stout barrels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we get, when we pull an imperial stout out of a barrel, it does wonders for a porter because it's picking up a little heat, tends to pick up a little body over the barrel aging, um, over the barrel aging time. So it works out really nicely. Um, Get back to you were talking about it earlier when you're. Uh, I was asking what you guys were into drinking wise, and you kind of touched on like Brick City down there um, doing the sour stuff and some of the hazies, and you had Magnify doing the super hazy thing. It's like, what's it like to like? What's the community like up here, Hackjack wise, beer wise, through yeah. all the brewers and stuff like that? And two, what it's like to like kind of be, you know, at you know at the driver's seat from kind of the get when all those places are kind of opening. You're all kind of growing up together. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, be at a little bit different opening times, but you're all kind of growing up together. But you're all doing mar relatively different stuff mm-hmm. you know what I mean is that's got to be a great place to be in right as far as business as far as yeah it's, it's a, a community it's a fantastic community of course you know bricks is three miles as the crow flies from here yeah, yeah. so I speak to one or both of them you know five times a day mm-hmm. um, you know they borrowed my our labeler down there <laughs> this week because <laughs> I had an issue with some labeling um, you know Eric over magnify they're they're definitely in our orbit they're a little far the wrong direction so we don't talk to them as frequently but of course we're very friendly um and there's a constant sort of communication that goes around between the breweries Mm -hmm. um you know we pay attention to each other everybody drinks everybody's stuff everybody um is very friendly everybody's very helpful so if you get shorted on a delivery of a bag of something you have people you can call that are close enough that you can drive and go get that you know bag of whatever it is that you need um so the the brewer community is fantastic. You know, we try not to step on each other's. Um, yeah, that's a sports ball um, you just brought up. Um, so, you know, we do basic, you know, basic courtesy. It's like try not to step on each other's release days. Try not to, you know, plan anything when you know one of the other breweries has got, you know, a, a notable release going on. So it's a very cooperative environment. So it makes it great. Now, now how much of uh, feedback is there? amongst you guys like i mean you're all in the, the business together but i mean how much tasting notes are going back and forth of just you know what this is great but you know or anything yeah. along the, like some feedback that you get from another brewer in the game yeah brewers are very honest with each other more so when the public isn't around mm-hmm. yeah um you know it's uh it, we go to hop selection every year with joe and pete from bricks uh, so we're always up in yakima hanging out drinking beers um, you know, away from where, away from public opening hours, and so I, I would say there's very, um, very real but respectful feedback, which is great. It's like it's nice to hear from a from another professional brewer what they like and what they don't like. Um, we're all very quick to acknowledge our own personal preferences. You know, like me, yeah. I don't like lactose and IPAs. I just don't. I appreciate that a lot of people do. Um, so if you give me a lactose IPA, it's one of those things I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Um, but a lot of people do, and that's fine. That, that's, that's been my feel, like, within the industry, is, like, uh, just a lot of professional courtesy, but honesty yeah. amongst, like I said, my side, even on the sales side of what I do. Uh-huh. You know, like I said, I mean, when you meet another rep, it's like you, you're in it together. You know, this is something that you guys have gone through. You know what's going on. Yep. So I said it's, it's professional. Sometimes it's brutal. But, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's most of the times 100% honest. And then with all of the breweries, you know, our, everybody has sales reps that work for them. Yeah. The sales Thank reps you. the sales reps are all super tight. Like I would I would 
actually the text message conversations that go back and forth between sales reps. To, I would hate to read what it, it borderlines on evidence more than about, anything. Yeah. I think. Um, Some but, of it is incriminating, you know. <laughs> just, you just hope no one really reads that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's 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 a great environment. There's a ton of communication goes back and forth. It's awesome. You're you're talking about uh, the feedback you get from brewers, like with today's world, with the Instagram world, with the Untapped world. What's it like? You know what I mean. You guys are so um, you're so you said um, not throwing caution to a wind kind of place. You're so kind of tight when it comes to your control of your beers. Um, what's it like to live in a world where people will be like? Oh, I hate loggers. Uh, this sucks because I hate loggers. I suppose to see our next double IPA. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like, what's it like to live in that world? Because it's it's valuable information. You have to pay attention to it because 100%, it's analytics. Yeah. You know, you need to know what's going on to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's. You want to chop the the bottom fifteen, like the reading, top fifteen it's, off. Yeah, and, it's like and find Amazon reviews. I mean, <laughs> which can be super entertaining. Super entertaining. But if it's your baby that's on their reviews, then it's a much yeah, different. Yeah, you've got to you've got to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. We have a, a laundry list of our favorite uh, untapped reviews, mm-hmm. which when we get the facility moved across the street, we're going to clean up this brew house a little bit. And <laughs> one of the ideas we have them. is to um, put our favorite untapped reviews in like vinyl letters around the top of the uh, <laughs> the top of the brew house. My all-time favorite one thus far was um, it was a, a black IPA, uh, John's black one. IPA, and the, the review said it's like. If Shaq snuck up behind you and combed your hair, you're scared shitless, but you can't say no. That's a great review. <laughs> Phenomenal. That's a good because you can kind of get where the person's yeah. going. In. No, I don't find Shaq to be all that scary. He's more of a cuddly teddy bear to me. But yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, but it's you know it's, sometimes it's you know uh, we're sometimes very... it's infuriating and sometimes it's awesome and some and but most of the time it's just okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny to see. You know, we did a collaboration for Pride Month with Forgotten Boardwalk. Yeah, it's going to be that We brewed precisely the same beer in two locations. Uh, Jamie down there is fast to point out that hers is scored uh, 0.2 points lower than our version up here. <laughs> even though I promise you, if you put the two beers side by same side, beer. none like, of us could tell a difference between them. Um, but uh, it just—it's interesting when you look at. Uh, when you look at reviews, Bob Olson from Bolero Snort, mm-hmm. the night before we opened here, back in 2016, he came in, dropped off a bunch of beer. As he was leaving, uh, he was like, oh yeah, piece of advice, like never read Beer Advocate before bed. Yeah, and keep you to, up at night. To this yeah, day, we don't true. do it. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of that, the 0.2% um, difference in the beers, um, like... How do you feel? I mean, there's a lot of like perception isn't reality when it comes to beer. Or maybe I'm trying to flip that, going the other way on that. Reality, but, not like, perception. Yeah, like you know, if a certain brewery X makes a beer, it's got to has to be good, and brewery Z makes a beer, it's probably going to be mediocre. Uh, like, do you think that's just a matter of just it's the way the world it's is? The it's social. Condition. It's, it's so, the human condition. But I mean, do, or do you think it's like I think a good portion of people that are into beer now are, have only gotten into beer the past three or four years, so they don't yeah. even understand what they're drinking. Right. So is it a matter of do you think it's eventually going to get a point where more people know what the hell they're talking about, or is it just a, you're just going to have to general generally deal with such idiocy? I, on a, I, I think you'll I think you'll have both. I mean, yeah. if you draw a parallel with the wine with the wine world, um, thirty years ago people talked about wine the way they talk about beer now mm-hmm. uh, and so it it takes time for 
an industry to become sophisticated and for people to get used to the intricacies of different things and different flavor palettes and and then on the other side of the coin everything is subjective at the end at the bottom of every glass mm -hmm. i either liked it or i didn't like it and, and from my perspective anything else is just gravy it's did you like it or not but I, I figure you guys are probably in the same boat as me and probably matt also like you know like don't don't you, speak for me buddy okay well i mean but like people that take pride in what they do mm -hmm. you know i'm my worst critic yeah i like to make like barbecue sauces I'll say it's worse. We're gonna, we're gonna be friends. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, dude, he he don't fuck around either. Like it's. Yeah. I got a batch coming up. I'll drop some off. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, but it's it's one of those that I'm my worst qu critic. I'll say like, oh man, I, it's a little too salty. It's a little too this. But then you get the feedback from your friends, and they're mm -hmm. like, hey, this or that or whatever, and they're picking up on stuff I didn't pick up on, or they're just like, no, it's awesome. You know. So I said it, it's one of those. I mean. To hear from the public or hear from a small group of people, a lot of times you get a different result of what you're yeah. looking for. So I'm sure, like I said, both of you guys being scientific people and mm -hmm. that that you look at it sometimes and you go, you know what? It probably should have been a different pH of this or it should have been something like that. There's a little too much salinity in the goza, you know, and then your, your customers are like, no, that's great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, we, we make changes. Just about every time we brew every beer, we make changes to it that literally no one is going to notice except us. And it's only because we live with these beers every yeah. single day that we're able to detect or measure and taste the impact of those changes. Sometimes you make a change and it makes no difference at all, right? Like A-Game, I'll give you an example. A-Game as a beer has gotten simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler from a recipe perspective. That used to be a very, very, very complicated beer. And so we started paring down the complexity a little bit and working in some different ingredients and working in some different process. And over two and a half years, the recipe has gone from, you know, this down to <laughs> this. And absolutely none of our customers will have noticed that change. We've just been editing the recipe as it goes, right? And I guess when it comes to our one of our uh, sort of creative motivators is that... Um, the, the, the answer in beer can't always just be more, right? Mm -hmm. The next trend yeah. can't just be more. more of the same. It can't be always more hops or higher ABD stouts or, you know, more lactose. Like, the answer can't always just be pile on the same yeah. stuff. So, um, you know, taking, in, taking a red line or taking a red pen and editing a recipe is a very kind of cathartic <laughs> <laughs> exercise sometimes when you're like, I just feel like this has gotten out of control and we have to go back and start subtracting some stuff. See, that's, that's me and Matt have had conversations that like our worst nightmare is that the trend becomes what we've always enjoyed within beer. Yeah. You're like that maltier, you know, more approachable type of stuff. And then we're like, that's going to become the trend soon at some point. Yeah. Like, you know, it's got to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Mm. And as I said, like, we've been into that old well, ale, that type of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, well, man, that's, 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 that's pure selfishness because we yeah. want all that stuff to be readily available <laughs> to us at all times. But um, it, but it's like you were talking about. It's, 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 it's kiss. It's keep it simple, stupid when it comes to half the things you do. But that's your beers. Not to say in a negative way yeah. that your beers are simple. They're not simple. But you're not getting complicated for the sake of complex. trying to be complex. You're just like throwing a, a ton of stuff in there to make it crazy does not make it good. Um, but that tends to be the trend that a lot of people chase. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of trying to find yourself instead of trying to find what the other person is doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm a firm believer in just because something is good at a particular rate does not mean it will be better with more. Yeah. 
Okay. Sometimes it will be. Um, but that is not the only time is not bacon. a truism. Garlic, bacon, yeah. bacon, garlic. bacon is always bacon, right. bacon and, bacon garlic, and garlic, garlic are, are yeah, the yeah. exceptions. <laughs> and whiskey, whiskey, whiskey is always better than more. Sometimes more whiskey becomes <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, next, the next day is not a good thing. At the time, it's awesome. But like I, I use an, as an example another brewery. I'll use um, Cycle Brewing down in Florida mm-hmm. as an example. Right, like they pull no punches with those stouts, mm-hmm. but when you sit down and get into them. Those are very tightly constructed, very nicely edited, very nicely balanced beers. You know, yeah. they're not going more for the sake of more. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're going bigger and and managing to tight. strike an incredibly tight balance in those beers. That that is every every time we have a beer from them, I hate them more. I have no idea who they are, <laughs> but I'm like, I hate that that beer wasn't made in this brewery. I hate yeah, it. Yeah. But the thing is, again, there's there's a brewery that checked itself. Yeah. Like knew that the product that they were gonna put out during the biggest week of the year for them mm-hmm. wasn't up to their snuff, and it was just, you know, a, a smaller brewery might have just been like, well, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I need to sell it, and they were just like, no, and they yeah. pulled, they pulled back on it. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, sorry to, no, I about to say something. I don't know if you guys ever heard the, um, there's a famous uh, story about Thomas Keller, the the chef, or in an interview, somebody asked him. Um, you know, about his creative process. How do you guys create new dishes and how do you guys create new plates? He said, well, we get together with the chef, with the, the, the test kitchen, and we, we work and we cook and we iterate and we make the same dish and the same dish and the same dish and the same dish and the same dish, and we eventually arrive at what we believe to be a perfect plate of food. And when we arrive at what we think is a perfect plate of food, I force myself to take one thing off the plate. I think it's a very important lesson for brewers, right? It's like the minute you think you've reached the pinnacle of whatever it is that you're doing, in your own mind, that can't possibly be true, right? Yeah. So you have to have enough um, introspective ability to be like, let me go back and look at that again. Like, yeah. is, did I overcomplicate it? Is there something I could subtract? Could I make it easier? Yeah. Um, it's just, um, I think a lot of times it's like, let's start with a base beer and then throw in a bunch of additional stuff into it and just iterate over that. And for me, I find that less compelling. To... You're talking about the cycle beers kind of turning you on, hating them more and more, <laughs> and then loving some of the sour stuff that Bricks has done. Yeah, totally. Is is there outside of like the the really kind of dangerous bacteria sour stuff? Is there an itch you guys want to scratch that you haven't scratched yet, or is there an itch you've tried to scratch and you just it just you just can't figure the fuck out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's <laughs> She's underneath the table. She yeah. didn't hear you. Yeah, I, I would personally would love to do more um, mixed fermentation work. Mm-hmm. Um, at this brewery, like I say, when we get the other brewery spun up, that's going to open up a lot of capabilities here for us that we don't currently have just because it's a super tight space. So for me, like mixed fermentations are mm-hmm. uh, one of those areas where um, there's so much work that can be done in that area. And I think that a lot of people don't understand necessarily the impact of um, malt structure and malt recipes on mixed fermentations. I think in that space, that's like the next big thing. Because right now, everybody's making, I say everybody, generalizing, but most people are making fairly basic beers, hitting them with complicated mixed cultures and throwing it into neutral barrels and, and letting it do its thing. I think there's a there's a lot of exploration that can be done in terms of uh, malts and beer ingredients and their mm-hmm. impacts on mixed fermentations. So that would be a, for me a huge amount of study that I would love to do. Instead of just just resting on the the yeast side of things, actually right. doing kind of the science and all the bits and pieces. Kind yes. Of things. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's some people out there messing with it. Like, that's like kind of like the Dan Suarez thing yeah, going totally. on up there. Yeah. Where he's just kind of making, you know, four and a half, five percent beers, and that's all you're doing. And just kind of tweaking each element of it and trying to see where it takes you and do all kinds of fun and creative stuff. Yeah. Do you guys think there's a style out there that you would say is like underrepresented it? Or represented like something that maybe you want to see more of or want to do your, also yourself besides the mixed fermentation. Yeah. Is there something like, you know, maybe that the U.S. is missing where the rest of the world is drinking? Yeah. Michael's shaking his head, I think. I'm agitating. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> a, approachable Saisons and cans. Mm-hmm. I desperately want to put a Saison in a can, but, but like not so much a Saison. You think about more in terms of like a grisette. Right, mm-hmm. something that's a little higher minerality, something that carries a, a citrus character in a in a sort of a, a crisper way. So, like you know, grisettes and sixteen ounce cans at four and a half percent, like yeah, c- all day, every day. Because yeah. everybody's coming to, I see a can, a sixteen ounce can, I think of hops. Where I see a can, I think of a travel beer, a summer beer, a chugger beer. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're kind of talking about. 100%. Where you see drinkable beers that yeah, yeah. you can go out and drink, and that doesn't have this crazy hop forward yeah. kind. Of my my preference right. is always for drinkable, clean, crisp yeah. beers. If it happens to be hoppy, it happens to be hoppy. Right. If it happens to be yeasty, malty, or whatever, just make it a good. Just make it good. Make beer. it clean. Make it crisp. Yeah, and and food friendly. Yeah, you know, we we keep coming back to this idea because it's like. In, in our minds, part of the fun of our industry is getting together with your friends, hanging out at the barbecue, getting in the kitchen, making some food, drinking some beers. And it, it's it's more experiential where the beer isn't the focus of the experience. Does that make sense? No, no, like, no. It's, it's, we kind of touched on it earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's your experience that you're having with, with your friends and family. That's the important thing. And the, the beer should uh, support that experience. Um, it's almost like in too many cases nowadays the beer is the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's... I always, you know, whiskey is for sipping, beer is for drinking. Yeah, I and mean, there's a balance to it because there's nothing wrong with sitting down and analyzing no. the beer, absolutely, in and of itself. But it's almost like don't force it. Let right. let let let, let that if you be want natural. if you want the conversation to be about the beer, have at it. It's right. all about balance. You don't mm-hmm. want to tug in one direction so hard because the other everybody's on one end yeah. or the other. You want to find some kind of balance between the two, whether it be beer, life, food, yeah. how awesome my dog is, how awesome your dog. I mean, it's all about balance. You know what I mean? Um, my dog's pretty awesome, by the way. Uh, anyway. Um, I can attest to that. Awesome yeah, dog. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's... Uh, we're, how do people find you? Let's do that portion of the show. Let's uh, cut the chase. Elementary Brewing. Ha- is it just Hack Attack? Is this downtown Hack Attack? No, this is the north side of Hack Attack. Um... Google Maps will get you here. Uh-huh. And, and, and <laughs> if you do come here, here lane, yeah. if yeah. you do decide to come here, go to the website. They have a nice uh, color-coded parking thing, which is very important. <laughs> yep, that you apparently don't park down the street here because someone might kill you or something. Nah, I don't, I don't nah, want to ask. No, you probably have a poopy there's, neighbor There's or lots of like places that. to park. There, there's, <laughs> it's an industrial area, so yeah. a lot of these businesses are not open on the weekends, but there are a few that do some work on the weekends. And so there's, there's one yeah. business in particular down the street that they do a lot of work on Saturday and Sunday, so they yeah. need to be able to get their trucks in and out. But you'll see Makes that with, we put um, orange cones in front of all the places where you can't park. Okay. So if you see orange cones, don't park there. Um, although we did have a patron two days ago decide that parking between the orange cones right. was, was okay. <laughs> uh, but on the orange cones was guys. not okay. But 
What's yeah. your um? If people want to kind of uh, follow you guys, are you, do you have a specific presence? Like, are you Facebook people, no, Instagram we're, people? We're, we're Facebook and Instagram. I, I think we tweet occasionally as well. But we're primarily we Facebook. Yeah, he tweets. Okay. We have a brand guy, Matt. He, 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 <laughs> he handles all, all that. Stuff. Facebook um, and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram are the great channels. places. Um, usually we do uh, all can releases are on Fridays. All the Bricks can releases are on Saturdays. So if you're close to our area, um, you can hit up two. Uh, two breweries, two can releases you know, a, across a couple a of days. You got a mule? I got a mule. She lives right here. <laughs> <That's fantastic. laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, we're open to the public Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, just like everybody else in the industry, give or take a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just it's a chill place. It's a chill brewery, so it's fun to hang out in. Yeah. Come check them out down here, Hack Tech. I always want to say elementary, but it's elementary, right? Elementary. Oh, is it elementary? Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I thought as I was long saying as you don't say elementary, that's yeah. how a lot of people come to it. I, I don't. That's know how Doctor Watson yeah. would say it. That's when. It's that's when. If you're behind a bar and someone says elementary, it, bad things happen. <laughs> He's not allowed behind the bar anymore. We know that. The bar. Yeah, come and check him out. Um, grab some beers. Like I said, a great area for beer right now. It's not too far outside of anywhere. It's less than an hour for me from Delaware Water Gap. From Brooklyn, it probably took you about, what, 40 minutes? Uh, it was about an hour with the traffic. With traffic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not too far from uh, kind it's of like 16 be- miles. the beach area. Yeah. 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 It took me It took me 57 minutes, and it was 60 miles. So yeah. you, you figure it out. Um, and uh, come check them out. So come tra- grab a beer. Say hi to Margie. Margie? Yep. Is it Margie. Mar- Margie. And uh, chug a few, and there you go. So thank cheers. you very much, Mike and cheers. Blake. Cheers. And cheers.